This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim 365 Radio, Sikkim365.com. A banner week as uh, you look at Baylor football recruiting a bevy of commits to talk about this week, the NBA draft to talk about this week as Baylor Hoops continues to experience some success at the next level in terms of top 10 picks and uh, so much more to get to. It is the off season, and yet it is anything but when it comes to the news cycle. Craig Smoke with you, Sikkim 365 radio and writer and reporter, and also joined by, as always, Grayson Grunhafer, team and recruiting reporter for Sikkim 365, director of broadcasting as well. Behind the scenes, speaking of broadcasting, got the whole crew in here helping out as well. So a lot to get to. And Grayson, uh, I guess before we dive fully in, uh, safe to say you've been busy and uh, everybody involved with recruiting uh, at Baylor or covering Baylor has been pretty busy, uh, not just the last few days, but the last month or so, uh, but especially the last few days. What a month. I mean, I mean, this has just been a crazy month of June in which this Baylor coaching staff has just done such an amazing job on the trail. And like you mentioned, the last few days have been really, really exciting and really busy. But uh, overall, this class is just continuing to build, and it's really fun to see. I was under the expectation that it could be, you know, five commits in June. And then obviously, as things have progressed, I changed my expectation to getting 20 by the end of the month. And um, they are they are right there. I mean, they are absolutely right there. I, I think they actually got to twenty just right now um, with the DK Kalu uh, edition. But yeah, it's been fun. It's just been extremely busy and a wild ride for this Baylor staff. I'm sure. Yep. Uh, so we'll get into that. You just mentioned the latest, and that was number twenty. So we'll break it down, uh, pick by pick, or should I say, commit by commit, pick by pick will be. Uh, more for NBA draft folks, and we only got a couple of guys to talk about in that regard with Baylor, but we will talk about those two, including the number nine overall pick uh, for the Bears, and that will come a little later. We are going to start off with football. That's uh, the bread and the butter uh, most of the time, and that is what has been keeping the message boards the craziest and zaniest and also the uh, most celebratory over the last month. Uh, as we said already, the month of June uh, just an unbelievable uh, run of commits and something that we haven't really seen before. We've seen weekends, we've seen visits, and, you know, you get three, four guys, whatever, get five, six over the course of a month, but uh, they are just tearing it up. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven commits in the month of June alone for this Baylor football program out of the 20. And, yes, they are at 20, and it is June the 28th as we record this. So we haven't even hit Big 12 media days yet, and they are, in theory, around the cap of the class, which clearly they are going to have more room. Uh, I mean, clearly there's going to be more room. So uh, let's just dive into the, the guys, Grayson, because I know there's you know stories that everybody can read, but this is always kind of a summary of what's going on. So let's just player by player get into these uh, six, I believe, is the number that we have here, six guys that have made their pledges over the last week alone. Uh, what a run, like we said, it's been. Or is it six? It's five. No, yes, yeah, six because yeah. the other one's not listed yet. All right, so let's go ahead and dive in, and then we'll get into some other topics as well, as I mentioned, the NBA draft, and, of course, uh, what's next. And, and commits weren't just for uh, Baylor football either. It's basketball also got a pretty big one themselves last week after we recorded the previous episode. But... Uh, getting started here and wasting little to no time, uh, let's go with DJ Coleman. Uh, safety, he's the one that got the party started after Bryson Washington and Jaron Woods had committed a little over a week ago. Uh, you know, obviously things were sitting pretty well. Bears were at, what, 14 at that point in time. And then DJ Coleman from uh, Mesquite Horn High School, safety, uh, he gives his pledge. And, and really, man, just since then, it's been uh, pretty much a, a daily affair getting the Bear signal 
uh, from Sikkim 365. Yeah, and DJ is the only commit who has not been on an official visit yet. So a little bit of a fun fact there. He took an unofficial during the week and then committed, I believe it was the day after, announced he was going to commit and then ended up doing it. And he attended Baylor camp, got the offer. He performed really well. It was really interesting because he got the Baylor offer, then he got the Florida State offer a few days later. And you're like, okay, so his recruitment might blow up a little bit, maybe take some time. Uh, he did not. <laughs> he went ahead and committed, locked himself into this um, great recruiting class. And I think he's a nice pickup. I view him more as a star or a boundary safety, uh, not so much a field, which is something that we're going to talk about a little bit later. Um, but a very, a very good athlete and a very physical prospect who I think projects really nicely to what Baylor's trying to do on the defensive side. So he had one defensive back, and then there was another, Carl Williams the fourth out of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, going back to uh, some of this staff's old stomping grounds in LSU area. But out of Southern Lab uh, corner, Carl Williams the fourth uh, got a pair of dudes in the secondary, and uh, they would not be done there because the next one would also be another defensive back. But uh, And then, you know, the, another one a couple of guys later, yeah. actually. They've actually had a whole secondary commit in the last week alone, but – Carl Williams IV dipping into the boot. Yeah, Carl decided to uh, show up in Waco Friday night and then just go ahead and commit without even really doing a whole lot on the visit. He was just like, ah, I'm done. I'm just going to go ahead and announce. And I, I found that to be really just cool and also super surprising that it happened as quick as it did. Uh, he was their first cornerback commit. Um, and he's a guy who fits really nicely, again, on the outside physical, pretty good athlete, um, has some pretty good track times and uh, a decent offer list as well. And is a guy who Baylor's been talking to for a little while now. So they got him on campus. He went ahead and jumped on board, which I think was a very smart decision by him. Um, and so, yeah, he gave Baylor that first cornerback commit. He had offers from Kentucky, Missouri, Vanderbilt that were uh, the most notable. So, already pretty good. I mean, that would have been, you know, a nice little burst for fans and people following along. I mean, you expected some commits with all the visits that have been going on. There was a couple of them right there. But then another day, another commit, another corner, Tayshawn Wilson uh, making his pledge. And uh, one of the guys who's actually got, you know, a national ranking attached to his name and one that's not, you know, completely outdated or the three-star that people just kind of pass by. You see that four, and that obviously perks people's eyebrows and ears a little bit. Uh, but Tayshawn Wilson out of Maid Creek down in Houston. Um, what can you tell us about him? Yeah, so four-star prospect, like you mentioned, uh, offers from Houston, SMU, and Texas, and Memphis. So a lot of schools interested in him. Great track athlete. You know, 10 threes type guy in the 100. Um, and I actually could see him playing field safety. In this class, I think it's a possibility. Uh, he's a little shorter than 5'10. I think he's more like 5'8 and a half, 5'9, uh, but elite speed. And for that reason, I could see him potentially moving to safety, maybe even star uh, the position Jalen Petrie played a year ago. Really like this take. And he was a priority for a long time. Like, I mean, ever since he was offered, they just kept getting him on campus, kept building that relationship. So to get him in this class, I think, was a really big deal. He's also very close with Austin Novosad as well, as they've known each other for quite some time. And uh, I know it feels like I'm just rifling through here, but we kind of have to do that because there's so many of these guys. Um, next up, offensive lineman the day after. This was on the 26th. So you had Coleman on the 23rd, Williams the 4th on the 24th, Tayshawn Wilson on the 25th, and then the 26th, and there will be two more consecutive days. And, um, you know, it's just it's crazy how this kind of set up, but they dip uh, outside uh, like they had with Carl Williams in Louisiana, but they go a little further southeast in the state of Georgia, Covington to be exact, and big offensive lineman Sean Tompkins, who, as of we talked to him yesterday, has not been playing football a real long time, had uh, basically a mentor coach tell him, like, Dude, you you ever tried playing football? Like you're massive and athletic, and basketball's great. But have you ever tried football? And here he is now with a Division One scholarship to a Power Five school. So that's that's pretty cool. What mentors and and you know adults that are looking out for you can can do and put kind of the seeds that they can plant. And that seed that was planted, he got a feeling for it and enjoyed it. And he's 
scratching the surface, but Baylor's got another big offensive lineman for Eric Mateos and Sean Tompkins. Yeah, and he's a four-star prospect in my eyes. He reminds me a lot of Khalil Keith, who's the starting right tackle now for Baylor. Uh, had offers from Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, West Virginia, so a really good offer list. Took consecutive official visits, went to Baylor, then he went to Kentucky, then Florida, then Tennessee, all back-to-back-to-back, and then made his decision. And he just had such a great visit at Baylor, great connection with Eric Mateos. And um, I just think when you turn on his film, he's special. And for Baylor to go out of the state to grab a guy like that, that's really impressive. And I think he's going to be one that Baylor's going to have to fight really, really hard to keep in this class because I do think he's going to continue to get more national attention. So Tompkins joined the fray, and uh, the party rolled on like I've been talking about. And this time it was... LeVar Thornton closing out the, the run of secondary commits or, or adding to the run of secondary commits. The DB out of Keller Timber Creek uh, had some nice, I mean, smart kid it appears based on his offer list and, and, and all that. Uh, Vanderbilt is uh, one of those offers that you can look at, the service academies as well. But uh, LeVar Thornton, um, 6'3", 170, what he's listed at on Sikkim 365, uh, you can provide an update if there is one on that, because I know sometimes that can change. But uh, some nice size, and uh, is he kind of one of those guys they figure it out, or they sort of have an idea in mind of where he fits in in that secondary puzzle? Yeah, so I kind of think he'll probably get a chance at cornerback first to give them some size on the outside. I think that's the hope, uh, but I also could easily see him playing field safety. I think he's a very versatile guy, a guy that will probably figure it out more once he gets on campus. Um, he came to camp, tested well. They liked what they saw in him. He had, like you said, offers from the service academies along with Vanderbilt and um, Boise State were kind of his two biggest offers. I like the take. I, I think as you watch his film, you kind of really see a clear path for him to get on the field at Baylor. Uh, I just don't know if it'll be at safety or cornerback quite yet, even though I do think he's got the skill set to play either. Really like this take. I, I think he fits in really nicely, and I hope he makes it work at corner because obviously they need cornerbacks in this class. Well, a couple of uh, weeks ago, uh, I guess um, maybe a little bit longer than that, as this run of commits got started, uh, they dipped down in Missouri City and grabbed Trent Thomas, a defensive end, and now Baylor's added another commit from Missouri City, and he is the latest commit, although a different high school, but uh, he is commit number 20 as the class now sits at the 2-0 mark, and that one came down uh, just a few minutes ago, as a matter of fact, but DK Kalu, father, uh, former NFLer, uh, now on Houston radio, uh, but the defensive tackle out of Ridge Point High School down in the Missouri City, Houston area. Uh, he is number 20, and he is now official as of, uh, as I said a few moments ago. Uh, I know that uh, he had, you know, attention, and his father obviously is very successful, has successful football career, so he's got that guidance. And uh, I guess based on what uh, I saw, uh, you know, they – He's been around and kind of slept on it, so to speak, and it came out with the Bears. And uh, obviously they want to add on the defensive line, Grace, and that's one of the areas we've been talking about. So a big addition up front for the D-line in uh, D.K. Kalu. Yeah, the priority at nose tackle for this Baylor staff, and they're able to get him. I mean, he was the guy that they had to have at nose tackle. And uh, for him, he took his visits. He went and saw Kansas State, went to SMU on an official visit, had offers from TCU and Iowa State as well. But at the end of the day, there there was no other place that was going to get him outside of Baylor. He, he loved Baylor from the very beginning. That relationship kept building, and he knows – you know, there's a clear path to playing time fairly early at Baylor as well at nose tackle as they're going to lose a lot. We were talking about Chidi, Jackson, uh, and Apu all after this year. There's a clear path to him being able to come in and be ready to go immediately uh, and play a huge role in this defense. So this is a huge one because they don't currently have a nose tackle in the class, and they're really not a favorite for any other nose tackle at this moment. So there you go, um, blistering pace, I mean, almost daily. And in some cases, it was daily over the last week. The run of commits to bring the 2023 Baylor class to 20 overall. I mean, just in this month alone, you've had offensive lineman Wes Tucker, defensive end Trent Thomas, linebacker Corey Kelly, defensive end Jaron Woods, running back Bryson Washington, safety DJ Coleman, corners Carl Williams and Tayshawn Wilson, offensive lineman Sean Tompkins, DB LeVar Thornton, and D tackle DK Kalu. So, um, this is what the staff gets paid for. So, I'm not going to advocate for a raise, but uh, man, just 
incredible the uh, job they've done. And have you ever, you know, in covering Baylor, seen anything quite like it? No, and, and the crazy part is they're not done yet. The, this month's not over yet, and I, I think there could be another one or two that come very quickly. I mean, it, it's been an incredible run. And, again, I'm not going to sit here and say it wasn't expected because I, I, I think every time we talked, I mentioned wait till June. You know, wait till the official visits, wait till that run in June. It just was even more than I could have dreamed of happening, you know, for Baylor to get this many guys committed. Um, it's just very interesting. And like we talked about on the radio, I, I do think there's a chance they probably get closer to, you know, 25, 26 prospects. It, that just seems where it's trending right now. Well, that's if they hold on to these guys and then add right. some more. Um, obviously, you just mentioned Sean Tompkins as somebody that they are going to have to defend uh yeah. so i asked you this yesterday on the radio I'll just ask you for the podcast listeners is it basically sitting at 20 now and you i guess you could add five or six more if you're not losing anybody um but there's always the chance you could and we'll talk about the quarterback in a second but uh tompkins you, you mentioned but is this just a lot of they're gonna have to fend guys off for the next few months in terms of protecting their prospects and not getting poached Probably, uh, you know, as these programs kind of go through the season and start to figure out, it, you know, where their class is at, they might start looking at Baylor commits a little bit more. I mean, we've seen it with Austin Novosad already, you know, programs are starting to take notice and starting to, you know, throw out offers. And so I'm very curious, but overall, I think most of this class will remain intact. And like I said, I think there's a chance um, very shortly they get up to like 22 commits, maybe even 23 uh, before the month's over. So, um, pretty fun. If you have a cell phone, it's been rattling with uh, bear signals over the last few days, and uh, hopefully you've enjoyed that because I, I know that I certainly have, and, and that's where they sit. So, now calendar-wise, Big 12 Media Days in two weeks, uh, but recruiting calendar-wise, um, they've had all these visits. What now are they looking forward to? Dead period. Uh, dead period's yeah. coming up. That's Vacation gonna, time, right? Yeah, exactly. That's going to last until late July. Um, so that's kind of where we're at right now. They'll have another camp at the end of July, and there'll be some unofficial visitors at the end of July as well. But uh, this is dead period time, a chance for the staff to, uh, quote-unquote, relax for a little bit um, before the grind just starts right back up again. So it's a good time. It's a good time to wait it out. July 30th is their last camp, and then, of course, August rolls around, and you're at fall camp. So the recruiting calendar is pretty much... Uh, you know, this is pretty much it. You know, they're not going to do a ton of other stuff until fall camp arrives, really. So elsewhere, uh, one of those commits they're going to have to hold on to and fight, you know, others off for is Austin Novosad, the quarterback uh, pledge. And we've talked quite a bit about him, Ohio State offering a couple of weeks ago and how that sort of changed things just in terms of, you know, his potential interest and eyes and all of that. And then here comes A&M, uh, who... You outlined on the radio, his parents are both A&M grads, so there's the connection there. And I said, like, hey, if it was just A&M straight up in the non-NIL era, I'd take, you know, Baylor's chances against, you know, against A&M 10 times out of 10. I mean, they might lose some, but they'd definitely win some. But in the NIL era, I mean, they're obviously one of those. It's at the precipice at the forefront of everything uh, with, you know, just what's all going on. And you said, like, that still doesn't even really matter, the NIL piece of this. But the A&M offer with the family connection, that does seem to, you know, obviously be uh, like a personal thing. Like, hey, the, the school that your parents went to wants you to come play football there. And obviously they're a hot brand right now. So um, you got that going on. So A&M and Ohio State. And now you've got the Elite 11 competition that's uh, that's getting underway. Um, and obviously uh, all the best quarterbacks, although Arch Manning's not there. We've talked about, you know, everybody's been talking about him for the last week. He's not even at Elite 11. Uh, but outside of him, pretty much all the top QBs are there, including Novasad. So what's kind of the the latest to know in terms of Baylor's quarterback pledge? Yeah, so, I mean, he's going to the Elite 11. He's going to be battling 20 other quarterbacks for 11 spots and for the MVP spot. So that started today. Um, that runs through Thursday when we'll finally kind of figure out what's going on, you know, as far as who wins the Elite 11 and who the final 11 are. Um, as far as on the recruiting side of things, you know, I think the AM offer maybe just extended his timeline a little bit is kind of where I view it. Um, I still view Baylor as the leader here. Um, I just think that he's <clears throat> he seems pretty locked in based on everything I've seen and heard and and just kind of my impressions right now. Um, I know Ohio State is talking to him every single day. A&M is now. But I really do think there's something to be said about the fact that A&M took forever to offer him. And 
I know that some people can get over that really quickly, but I don't know if I don't know if Austin will be able to. I mean, I can't tell you how many times he went there, how many times he thought he was going to get an offer from AM, how many times they passed on him for another guy. And, you know, they can say everything they want. They can make excuses for why they didn't. And that's fine. Every school in the country would make excuses if they were late on a guy. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it was pretty transparent that they had other guys that they favored um, over Austin. And I think that is a bit of a slight. I also think that AM's depth chart is not very good. We were talking about Connor Weigman being a grade above him, Haynes King being one grade above him, and then Max Johnson, who might be the starter there this year, also being there. That's not an ideal situation if you want to come in and play by, you know, maybe your second year coming in and compete for the job. So I don't know. I, I just don't view AM as a likely spot. He's never said that it would be a great fit to me either. Um, just based on our conversations, it doesn't seem like it fits what he wants um, in the school that he chooses. Um, so right now, I still think Ohio State is the bigger threat. Um, but I feel like Baylor's relationships and, and, you know, kind of the bonds that he's built with this recruiting class, I, I think right now that that's still winning out. So we uh, play the waiting game with Austin Ovisad. Obviously, that'll be a big piece. Is he the type of guy that, you know, I'm going to get everybody all nervous, Nelly here, but is he the type of guy that if he drops out of the class because Ohio State lures him or whatever, that you have to start worrying about a bunch of other guys in this class? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I mean, you got to remember, they all they've really done at wide receiver is Micah Gifford. He's the only guy right. they have added. It, it's offensive linemen, which, again, I don't think it impacts them. It's more the wide receivers that it would impact. So... Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it'd be massive. And also, Baylor really hasn't been attacking the skill positions too aggressively in this class. I mean, they have a little bit at running back, but wide receiver-wise, this was never going to be a massive class for them there. Uh, so, yeah, not too worried about it. All right, so there's uh, the Elite 11 update. We'll see how Novasad finishes over the next few days, competing against some of the best of the best uh, from around the country. And uh, I'm sure there's some interesting NIL conversations going on at Elite 11 <laughs> this yeah. week, uh, to say the least. Uh, so, uh, moving on. Now, that's kind of the lay of the land with football. Uh, outside of, I guess, one other note you wanted to mention. Uh, I have not read this piece, but apparently Sam Kahn of The Athletic had a big piece on Baylor football. I'll get around to it at some point, but... Um, I guess in there he mentioned something about Al Walcott that was of interest. Yeah, that Al Walcott uh, might get moved to the star position. There's at least thoughts of that, of thoughts of trying him at the star. And obviously they've been trying Christian Morgan and Lorando Johnson at that position as well. Um, if he were to move the, to the star, then that probably means Lorando would move to cornerback. Um, and then you'd have to figure out where Christian is going to play in the defense um, if he starts at all. So, I just found that to be of note. You know, Al has been, was their guy at cornerback, was their best cornerback all last year. And so if they do make that move, that must mean that they really feel good about their cornerback depth and feel good about what Al could bring to the star. I definitely agree with what Al could bring to the star being of note. Like he could be very, very good there. I just am not quite sold on their depth at cornerback at this moment just because we haven't seen it. Yeah, a lot of young guys who I'm told to just believe in and haven't yeah. even watched them play yet. And I'm like, okay, um, that's that's cool, I guess. But I, I'd, I'd like to see something before I just jump on board and believe. Like, oh, yeah, just don't worry about cornerback. It's fine. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I mean, there's guys who have looked okay, um, but I need to see a lot more from Al Walcott to just fully buy into them, you know. Being it, and everybody says like, well, they'll be better than Tejada and Barn. Like, there's not a lot of love for those guys because I think they were around so long, but they're also around for a really long time. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care what your thoughts were. Like, Raleigh Tejada wasn't a prototype NFL guy, and yeah, he got burned on occasion. But you realize for like the handful of plays that made jump to mind, how many freaking games and snaps that kid played mm -hmm. that you never talked about him? Like, hundreds of snaps. So. Um, and that's just him. That's not Kalen Barnes's freak athleticism and, you know, all that. So uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that, that whole secondary is going to be sort of fascinating to watch because I don't think anybody has a great grasp on just where everybody sort of is, whether it's position-wise or even depth-wise, ultimately, 
and what that could look like as it evolves throughout the season. So yeah, and guys keep moving around right. and they keep trying new things. It it's really interesting, and I you know I like Mark Milton. I just I don't know if I trust him to be like a lockdown cornerback. You yeah. know, I I just don't know if I'm there yet. I'd love to see you know if they do make that move. I I'd be so curious to see what Lorando looks like. It's just Al is a known quantity based on what we just saw last year. Right. Yep. So uh, that's of interest and. Uh, here in a couple of weeks, we'll get a chance to talk to Dave Aranda uh, out in Arlington. And then, of course, it will be fall camp not too long after that. So we'll start to get some answers to some of those questions. And, I mean, I don't know about y'all, but the summer has kind of flown by a little bit. Not trying to make it stall all of a sudden, but it's all these commits and then what basketball's had going on and just uh, baseball stuff. It's been been very active, even though it's supposed to be the slow time of year. But we'll take that over the alternative uh, any time. So, uh, that's kind of a football as a as a whole right now, um, but looking over at basketball, I mean the commits flying over there. Well, not flying around like in football, but a major five star commit uh, was landed by Scott Drew and staff last week. Jacoby Walter uh, out of Link Academy, a Texas native, but transferring to Link Academy to finish out his high school career, uh, shooting guard. And a five-star, uh, as I mentioned a second ago, now a member of Baylor's 2023 recruiting class where he joins Miro Little as the two members of that grouping. And uh, what can you tell us, or what, what are your reactions, I should say, to uh, Jacoby Walter and the big five-star pledge for, for Drew and company last week? Yeah, I mean, just an elite score. I mean, you watch him play, and you're just like, man, this guy just knows how to put the ball in the bucket. And, I mean, he's shown that on every level he's played in. He was at McKinney um, last year, averaged 25.7 rebounds, uh, shot 53% from the floor and 40% from three, uh, helped lead McKinney to a state championship appearance. And then he's also uh, on the Adidas circuit. He plays for Team Trey Young, and he's been averaging 28.3 points per game. Um, he's special. And at 6'6", he's a little different than the guards that they've had in the past. Um, just because that size, you, you don't usually see that. You know, Maceo was like a 6'3 guy, uh, Davion 6'1", Jared 6'2", you know, and so he comes in 6'6". Um, not an elite ball handler, but just a great shooter, great off-the-ball player, and a guy who can create his own shot at the next level. Uh, him and Miro Little are going to be a deadly combination for Baylor, and if they're able to return LJ Cryer as well, I mean, that's a three-headed monster that's as good as any in the country. Yeah, originally from McKinney, uh, but now transferring to Link Academy yeah. uh, for this season. So uh, there's a big splash for Scott Drew, and he was a busy man last week. Uh, despite the fact that um, football was you know, getting all of these commits, you had Drew with the five-star pledge and Jacoby Walter, and obviously his staff as well uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. But they were also celebrating a couple of draft picks, including the second straight 10th, uh, excuse me, top 10 pick, uh, for the program as uh, looking over to the NBA draft, as confusing as it may be when you're actually watching live, I actually can know where people are going now a few days later. It's all been sorted out. But I don't know about you, man, but watching that's just like trying to – I might as well be broadcasting another language, it feels like, trying to figure out where guys are going. But uh, the first Baylor Bear off the board came relatively quickly last week, and it was not – that hard to, to figure too many things out because it wasn't a trade scenario like so many of them would be later on in the draft. It was just straight up number nine overall. San Antonio Spurs select Baylor's Jeremy Sohan, and uh, he is now uh, the second straight number nine pick, as I mentioned. Last year was Davion Mitchell going to the Sacramento Kings. Uh, so, man, uh, you, you love to see the, the top ten picks stacking up. Ultimately, you'd love to get like that top five and then that number one overall, but they're, they're working to get there. Back-to-back -back top tens will certainly uh, you know, help you. But what do you think about Jeremy Sohan uh, going to, uh, I know, your favorite team, the San Antonio Spurs? Yeah, they might be able to get top five with Keontae George next year. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if the, he can reach that point. But, yeah, I mean, so – I was actually at one of my best friend's weddings. And so I'm kind of just, you know, looking at my notifications every once in a while. And you get to seven and you start thinking, okay, Jeremy could start going here. That's kind of where people projected him, somewhere between seven and like 12, 13. Um, the Blazers take Shaden Sharp and then the Pelicans take Dyson Daniels. And you're sitting there and you're going, wow, could this actually happen? Is a Baylor guy really going to go to my favorite team? 
Oh, it happened. Yeah, you know, the Spurs took him. I think he's a great fit in San Antonio um, with everything that Spurs have tried to build. He's a developmental guy, which the Spurs have done a, had a great job, you know, developing talent over the years. He's still only 19, and even though he can come in and contribute right away, I still think he's a little ways away from his ceiling uh, as a prospect. So he fits in really nicely. I had a huge smile on my face when that happened. That was just that just does not happen very often usually where the guy that you really want your team to draft actually falls there and it actually happens, especially not a Baylor guy. So uh, that was really cool to see, and I'm happy for Jeremy. I think it's a great landing spot for him. Yeah, he certainly seemed happy. I think uh, Spurs fans, you know, there's always going to be those who think that they should be drafting and, you know, they want this guy or that guy. But I think most people, especially once they saw his personality, uh, kind of, got one over if they were even a little bit hesitant. And then you watch this game and you realize it's Popovich and a guy with international um, style and background and all that. And just, it just seems like a marriage made in heaven. So congratulations to Jeremy. Uh, that's big time. That's big for the program to have another top 10 pick. And uh, now they just really need to, you know, keep feeding the league, but also have these guys stick around and carve out careers and become names. And, you know, Davion Mitchell, I think, is well on his way to doing that after just one year in the league, and uh, I think Sohan will be another guy who can uh, make that mark pretty quickly as well. Now, outside of that, it was a long waiting game for Baylor's other, at one point in time, potential first-round pick in Kendall Brown. Uh, if you looked at early mock drafts, which, hey, you don't even know who's doing I mean, it could be, uh, you know, a guy who's been watching AAU ball for 20 years and knows every in and out, or it could be some dude who's still in college and, you know, writing it while he's eating Cheetos. I mean, you don't like, I mean, like just sites you just don't know. You don't know where it's coming from sometimes or how accurate it's going to be. And so there were a lot of mock drafts early on who had him as a, like a top 15 pick. And then as the process went along, uh, it kind of stayed that way, maybe further and further back in the first round. Then all of a sudden, just last week is like, boom, he was out of the first round overnight and was a borderline second round pick at that point so it was kind of strange to see just how his stock fell off a cliff uh practically in the span of just a few days and sure enough you get into the draft last week and the first round goes by and there's no Kendall Brown but at that point kind of figured that was the case uh, but then it started to become a question of okay is he going to get drafted because you started to get deep into the second round of the draft and there's only two rounds I mean that's that's all you have, and so got uh, pretty dicey there for Kendall Brown, and ultimately he was selected, and he was selected with about 10 picks to go, uh, but 48th overall. Uh, he was selected technically by the Timberwolves, but going into the whole confusing part of the NBA draft, it was actually the Pacers pick, so the Pacers picked Kendall Brown. That's where he's going after a trade. Uh, and 48th overall, um, kind of similar to how the draft played out last year for Baylor, having a number nine overall pick and then a you know, second player drafted in the top 50. So that happens for the second year in a row as well. But uh, your thoughts on, on Kendall Brown's slide and eventual uh, stop and stay, uh, now hopefully for a long time in Indiana. Yeah, I mean, I was born in Indiana, so this is kind of cool as well as, you know, the Pacers are, you know, the the team that I guess I probably loved first, even before the Spurs. And so to see Kendall end up there is really cool as well. And, I, you know, it was so scary, man, as he was falling. Like, is he really not going to get drafted? Is this actually a reality here? And no one plummeted more during, like, towards the end of the draft process than Kendall did. And so... I'm just happy he found a landing spot, did get drafted, and now, you know, he's going to have to work because second-round picks in the NBA, you know, it's very hard for those guys to actually work out and have long careers. You have some outliers, um, and it's gotten more frequent, you know, as time has progressed, but he's going to have to work his way up probably from the G League for a couple of years uh, before he truly gets a shot in the NBA. Yeah, um, that's a little disappointing, I know. Um, but hey, it's his decision. It's you know one that he made, and uh, I know that you know when he was mocked top fifteen, which you know I know some people on the board be like that could be a crap from day one, anyways, or whatever. That's what I was kind of saying about the mock drafts. You just never know. Uh, but still, man, that's that's a little bit risky for me if I'm getting bright to go from thinking top whatever he may have thought, and maybe he didn't. Maybe he knew that it was going to be top fifty. Was was the the ballpark, but still, that had to be pretty nerve-wracking the other night, and ultimately, really a great feeling, and you got drafted, and you lived your dream, so to speak, 
But like you said, there are no guarantees for him. Like, he's going to have – this isn't one of those, like, Sohan we know is good to go. Like, I mean, he's set up, top ten, all that. Um, he doesn't really have too many worries, although he's got to go out there, and, you know, and play and, and show himself. And I don't have any qualms that he's going to do that. But for Kendall, yeah, he's going to have to – and I have to work a little bit harder, so to speak, to to make the team and do all that. That's the, that's the crazy thing about the NBA draft. Yeah, it is. And, uh, again, I mean, it's just one of those things you're happy they got drafted. Yeah, you absolutely. to the list. And Kendall, it's tough to see. Tough to see him plummet that far. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm happy he found a landing spot. And now mm-hmm. he's just going to have to work. Work hard, make a career out of it. We've seen guys do it before. Um, and, and I still am a firm belief that he has the talent to do it. Now it's just all about effort, want, drive, and just development, honestly. Yep. So a couple of picks there uh, for Baylor basketball to now go and, you know, add to the plaques and add to the whatever else list that keep up with that. Obviously the, the media guys, but like the banners of the facilities and, you know, how uh, football's got all their first-round picks. You know, if, if they were to do that, they'd have one to add in basketball with uh, Jeremy Sohan. So – uh, cool for him, cool for Kendall Brown to get drafted, and uh, that's sort of the, where we are now with uh, hoops as well. Uh, baseball's made a couple of important hires. It's uh, it's been quite the quite the week as far as news goes for um, for almost all the programs. Quite frankly, basketball, uh, women's basketball hired a new director of recruiting from LSU, so it's been. Uh, been pretty wild in terms of the the headlines. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything you want to get to before we get into the mailbag? No, we got a lot of mailbag questions and a lot of good ones, I think. All right, so uh, let's get into it with uh, Bear SoCal, and you're going to have to fill me in on what the meaning of this is, this low-key Jeff here. Yeah, we all know the question. It's about Austin. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's the reoccurring question. We already talked about it earlier, kind of where I'm at mm-hmm. with the whole Austin situation, so you can go back and listen to that, but... You know, right now, I, I still feel like Baylor is in a good position and everything I've heard and read. It, it just seems like it's still that way. Um, we're going to know a lot more after this Elite 11 um, because I do think he wanted to take his time and, and you know, make it uh, an informed decision. But in the back of his head, he also had July 1st as the date that he was, like, trying to lock things down. So I'm just wondering if he will stick with that or if he's going to extend the time a little bit due to that A&M offer. All right. So uh, I will know next time if you post that exactly where to go with that question. But uh, nice GIF. And um, yeah, we're all wondering and all waiting now to see what uh, Austin Novosad eventually decides. Bear 15, what are your thoughts on the new Big 12 commish hire? It's not official, but reports did start coming out last night that uh, the Big 12, according to Sports Illustrated, uh, is looking at targeting and close to hiring Brett Yormark uh, to be the next commissioner replacing Bob Bowlesby. Not a name that I would imagine many recognize or have ever heard before, but he is most recently the chief operating officer of Jay-Z's Rock Nation, a big promotions company. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of uh, them at some point in time if you're a concert goer or you know you follow that kind of thing uh you've certainly heard of rock nation uh he was previously ceo of rock nation unified which is a licensing division within uh the that company um but you know certainly uh, what you would call an outsider hire uh you look at his resume and there's a lot with entertainment and you know that kind of deal but not too much really at all in terms of college football college athletics and yet here we are and He's looking like the guy's been with Barclays Sports and Entertainment for 15 years, uh, left or was with them for 15 years, and then left and joined Rock Nation in 2019. Or as I mentioned, he was most recently the uh, chief operating officer. So uh, Bowlesby made his decision. Um, I guess uh, what is it now? May, June, July, uh, almost three months ago at this point. And it's taken a little while, and it's been kind of a quiet search. A lot of names, Oliver Luck, you know, obviously an, an easy name, an obvious name to throw out. But uh, they kind of throw a little little fastball here, a curveball, I should say, here. Uh, I don't know how many people were predicting Brett Yormark, but here we are. So what do you think? Well, and according to Sports Illustrated, none of their final three candidates had any experience in college sports it's interesting so it, it wasn't just your mark it was their other two top candidates as well so they were clearly trying to go in a different direction i take offense to saying i have no experience in college sports what do you mean oh it was just a joke <laughs> that i was one of the final <laughs> candidates there. Oh, thank oh, you oh, you got it thank it. you I appreciate it for you oh my god it's all good Killing i'll be you. here all week Kill- 
<laughs> um, but I like the hire. I mean, I like the departure from the norm, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, to go in a different direction when you have to get creative and you have to, you know, kind of make your mark because as the Big 12, you know, the future is a little unstable. Uh, probably more, I think people think it's more unstable than it really is. But it still is yeah. unstable, if that makes sense. And so I think to negotiate a new TV deal, you need someone with kind of a background in media and the industry as a whole. Um, so I'm really excited about this. I think this is a great hire. I think I think he's going to do a great job. And again, departure from the norm, which is something I, I definitely think they needed. I'll just say that it was such a departure from the norm or so outside of the box that I don't really know what to think of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. I, I I'm not sure what to think of the move. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not like disappointed. I mean, why would I be disappointed? I, I, I don't think it's a bad hire. I don't know how great of a hire it is. I don't really know. Like why I need to kind of hear some more about why he was the guy and what exactly it was about what he did at rock nation and you know, all that to, to tell me why he's the one that's got the vision to drive this brand into a very uncertain future um, you know, I, I don't have any problem with it being outside the box and, and not college football related because that that could be part of the problem is you have all these same people who've been thinking the same way for so many years and you do need a bit of a shakeup. But it's so outside the box. Again, I really just I don't know what to make of it. I don't, I don't know how good to expect him to be or how wildly different you know you expect uh, the way the conference is managed to be. But I'm looking forward to finding out. I mean, I'm I'm definitely not disappointed. I don't think there's too many names you could have thrown out there where I would have been really disappointed by it so cool um look forward to learning about him and uh him being announced and and hearing from him and just kind of figuring out what it was they saw in him to to make him the guy because this is a really important decision that they've made here i mean this is the guy with the entire future of the conference in his hands and these next couple years in particular are going to be pivotal in just what that future looks like. Yeah, and I just find it so fascinating that none of the guys were college sports guys. Like, they clearly wanted to go in that direction. Pac-12 did that. Right, You know, others had, yeah. People are doing that. I just, I found it interesting that the Big 12 went the exact same route. Right, I mean, yeah. I mean, what is it about him and his lack of experience in that arena that you're like, that's the guy that we need to negotiate the TV contract for this sport that he hasn't worked in? Um (laughs) But he, he was the CEO for the Nets for 15 years. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got some sports good business, good but. experience. College ball is a little different, but hey, if it's all about just negotiating TV contracts, I'm sure he's got some experience with that. So, yeah, like I said, not not breaking it down or nothing like that. Don't know about him. Don't know much until I saw that name cross and, and I'm looking forward to, to hearing more. But uh, yeah, they definitely went outside the box. Looking forward to hearing Mac Rhodes talk about him and and other, uh, you know, ADs and presidents as well. So, um, those are my thoughts, Bear 15. Um, nothing good or, I guess, good. Yeah, good. Glad they found a guy. Glad they found somebody. And I think it does, you know, for a, a position that apparently, according to some college football reporter I can't recall last week, saying that uh, the candidates, there's, there's no interest. So, they just went and got a guy from Rock Sports, and there was no interest. I wonder, yeah, I, I don't know. That doesn't add up to me. Yeah. But uh, I'm pretty sure that was just another... SEC type trying to take a dig at the Big 12, but uh, Typical. yeah, but yeah, Rock Sports totally irrelevant. Yeah, Big 12 job. Anyways, Doc Crow, considering most of the projected classes signed and the only four stars still somewhat deciding between us and Ohio State, do you still see the recruiting class ending in the top 25, Grayson? I had to go back to 2016 to find a number 25 class with less than three four-star players. Yeah, I mean, I still think that they can get there. I, I think they're it looks like they're going to take more prospects than I expected, which helps, helps get your class inside the top 25. But I also think, I mean, we'll see, you know, the media can kind of sometimes sabotage Baylor prospects a little bit. So, I mean, that's why it's kind of a moving needle, right? Like if we move forward and they keep Novosad and then they, for some reason, drop Novosad because he stayed committed to Baylor instead of flipping to Ohio State, like, I can't predict that. You know what I mean? But right. I do think quality-wise, this is definitely going to be a top 25 class. Any feedback from those around the program on who's standing out during summer workouts, especially among the incoming class? 
I mean, a lot of the guys who enrolled early are definitely standing out. Um, the guys who just enrolled, I haven't heard a whole lot about them quite yet. It's very early. You know, they're kind of just lifting and stuff right now. Um, I know Kyan Roberts Day is a guy who just has come in as a physical monster, but he's going to have to lose a lot of weight to stick at running back. Um, so he's an intriguing one um, who's enrolled. But outside of that, haven't heard a ton quite yet. It's still pretty early in the month, though. Out of the linemen on both sides in the 22-23 classes, who excites you the most? Interesting. Um, I mean, in the 2022 class, I really like Alvin Ebosele, um on the offensive line. I think he's their future at the left tackle position, or at least one of the tackle spots. So probably go with him. Uh, on the defensive line, I mean, Trey Emery's a really good one. Um, I, I think he'd probably be one that would fit the bill. Um, and I also really love DK, DK Kalu. I, I think he's going to be a monster up front. Um, it, it, they've really built a lot. A lot of these guys I see is very similar. Jaron Woods has a high ceiling, but his floor is a little bit lower um, than some of the others. So I really like him. Um, but yeah, and on the offensive line, I guess, you know, I love Sean Tompkins. We mentioned him as well. So he'd probably be up there as one of my favorites as well. Yeah, there's a lot of guys to pick from, that's for sure, especially in the O-line. I mean, really, those last two classes have added a ton of numbers to uh, – to the line, the D line too, to an extent. But I mean, the O line—they've really like with like ten guys in the last two classes, basically. Yeah, and might be getting another one here in the next couple of days as well. Well, there's um, a tease for you. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows who it is. I mean, he just released his top three today, um, and I, I feel really good about where Baylor is at with him. Speaking of Calvin Clements, the uh, Free State mm -hmm. High School offensive lineman, I, I think Baylor's in a great spot. He just took his official visit. His final three is Kansas, Kansas State, and Baylor. Uh, he's from Kansas, but I don't think it's going to matter. His relationship with Baylor and what Baylor can offer on the field, I think, is just more than those other two programs currently. How much are people going to freak out uh, over the star ranking rather than the commit if if he commits? Yeah, I mean, he's a, what, like 88? He's a I saw he's like a star. two maybe on one of the sites. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. that needs to be fixed ASAP because yeah. he he's definitely a three-star guy. I mean, you turn on his film. That must be someone is really late on updating. I know on 247, he's a three-star, uh, but maybe Rivals or ESPN okay. is far behind. Um, but, yeah, no, they shouldn't. He's a very good prospect, and he fits in well. They need tackles, and he's a tackle. Okay. Yeah, I could have sworn I saw him as a two somewhere, and maybe I'm off on that. But uh, two four seven does have him as a three. What's his composite? He's got a three there. I swear, I just saw like 30 minutes ago. I saw yeah. a two next to his name. I swear to you, <laughs> I did. But um, yeah, I mean, I guess he's a three. So forget my question entirely. Um, yeah, he's a composite three. So um, I don't know. Maybe I just I don't know. I didn't see a third yellow star or something, yeah. but. Um, still, um, anyways, that's why I asked the question. So you can disregard that, uh, elsewhere. Let's go to, uh, WTT 78. Uh, it's question more for Grace. Can you tell me how Baylor's football camps compare to other schools? Like what do the recruits say about our camps and how they are ran compared to other schools in Texas or the big 12? Yeah, I always hear they're very similar, but I've also heard that Baylor's run smoother. Um, a lot of guys tell me that, that it's ran really well. The coaches are really active. Um, but I will say for the most part, they're all very similar. Um, I just think I've heard those couple positives about Baylor's camps compared to the others especially guys that end up getting an offer because they usually get one-on-one -on -one time with Dave Aranda and the staff, which is really meaningful, have a long conversation with them. And obviously, if you walk away with an offer, that drastically impacts your view of that camp versus other camps. Yeah, I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. Uh, thank you, WTT. Uh, Scotty B, biggest trap game for Oklahoma and Oklahoma State football during the Big 12 part of their schedule. Um, okay, I'm going to have to look those schedules up. Anyways, I'm glad the Big 12 has hired a new commissioner, which I hope he is better than Bob Bowlesby. Well, that's that's the hope, Scotty. Um, although, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to try to defend Bob Bowlesby. It's just pointless. Uh, nobody, <laughs> forget it. It's a waste of time to try to even do that. But he did make some big decisions that uh, did save the conference on more than one occasion. But I understand where that's coming from. Uh, any thoughts on Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? Yeah, the biggest trap game I see on Oklahoma's conference schedule, um, it honestly looks like it's pro <laughs> Nebraska. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's going to be that West Virginia game. Um, and the reason I say that is because they get Baylor at West Virginia and then Oklahoma State all three in a row. And I just have a feeling that after the Baylor game, they could see a lull and also looking ahead to Oklahoma State. 
Um, so that at West Virginia game is the one that I'm kind of looking at for Oklahoma to potentially slip up. Um, and it's kind of a, a tricky spot. As far as Oklahoma State goes, um, you know, they play uh, they play Kansas State a week after playing Texas. And I think Kansas State's going to be pretty good. So playing them on the road, I, I think, will be a pretty tough one. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I think both those teams are going to be really good. Um, you know, Bedlam should be a fun game this year. I am more curious about Oklahoma and just what they look like because yeah. this is a pretty big change for them, you know. I mean, seamless between Stoops and Riley. Just went from Stoops in 20 years of just winning every single year um, to winning every single year, basically, and then having a bunch of Heisman. So um, let's see what Brent Venables does. But, yeah, there's definitely some trap games for both that they're going to have to be wary of. But uh, should shape up to be one heck of a bedlam this year and could very well be a bedlam that comes down like last year where the winner, you know, determines who ends up, you know, in one half of the Big 12 title game, uh, which obviously that worked out very well for, for Baylor last year. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing – what's actually what up in Norman. And I think Oklahoma State's kind of sneakily, almost quietly uh, going into the season. Just because, Even though they've got Spencer Sanders back, it just feels like, oh, they lost a lot and they were in the Big 12 title game last year and blah, blah, blah. I, I can't tell you how frustrating it is where everyone on the national media just continues to talk about Oklahoma and Texas. And yeah, I'm just I know. I know. There, I'm I know. just sitting there and going, did y'all forget about who played in the Big 12 championship last year and how dang good both of those teams were a year ago? They did because, I mean, I'm telling you, man, like you can talk all the Big 12 crap that you want. I don't think it's the best conference. I do think it's top three out of the five. But, I mean, I think part of that is the way it's portrayed. Um, and it's ridiculous that it's portrayed so lopsided. And, uh, you know, I just think that there's numerous examples you can find. And, again, here we are. It's the year after – had very uh, highly watched Big 12 championship game, had a great game, great finish, great teams, team that lost should have been in the playoff if not for that loss, the team that won in an expanded playoff would have been in the playoff, and so would the other yeah. one. They would have had two reps in that scenario in an expanded playoff. Um, they both won New Year's Six games? Both won New Year's Six games, both beat teams that you know get uh, coddled and, and loved on by the media yeah. constantly. And, I mean, I could go on and on and on, and yet you won't hear a peep about them. It's about OU and Texas. Even it's, though we do this with Texas every single year, and they could go over this year, and we'll do it again next year because this guy or that recruiter or whatever, you know? Um, and then with Oklahoma, it's like anybody else goes through all the changes and transfers they have Outside of, like, the top dogs, like Ohio State, Bama, and all them. And I know Oklahoma's sort of in that stratosphere. But, I mean, if this was any other team in the Big 12 who had as much turnover as they had, people would be going, like, there's no way they're going to be. And they're getting picked to just win the conference. Like, it's, oh, yeah, Oklahoma's the favorite. For what yeah. reason? For what reason? Their over-under is 9.5, and, and Texas's is 9. Baylor's is 8. I, I do think that That's, Texas could be, and I know I'm falling into the trap, but, like, I mean, really, they've loaded up. And, and like, so Sarkeesian has no excuses. I mean, but the excuse is already being put out there. It's the O-line, right? So right. we already got that built-in excuse for them and so that's why that will be the big thing next year is like well now they've got the alignment to go with I mean that just get ready for that in 2023 um but yeah I mean it's it's just silly it really is how how differently they're treated versus basically everybody else and then you wonder why there's this inferiority complex or this this stereotype of the big 12 can't get along without OU in Texas is because every single media member is guilty and portrayed as though they do everything, and nobody else is worth anything. Right, and all Mike Gundy does is win 10 games. That's all he year. does. And no one, no one talks about them yeah. at all. And every year, Baylor is right. Like, there's not something crazy going on. Nope. They're basically a 10-win team as well. We just need Dave Aranda to start sporting a visor and trolling people on social media. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that'll that'll get people's attention. I don't know, man. Like, I get – this is not anti-SEC or anti-anybody else, but it is anti the coverage of the Big 12. I do it think is. it's bogus the way it's portrayed versus some of the others. And that's not a knock on the others. That's just – um, just the way that, that well, it it's is. It's like the third team in the Big 12 gets no coverage. Oh, the none. third team in the SEC, they're talking about A&M as being like the fifth best team they in the country. talk about how they'd go win all the yeah. other conferences. Yeah, yeah. it's just, uh, it's it's bad. Yep. It's really bad. Uh, 1964, Bear, what's the average GPA of players on the football team? <laughs> I have no idea. 
no clue whatsoever um, on that question. Um, I know it's above a 3.0 because they all have to have yeah. that. But I, I mean, but look at the graphic they put out ultimately when there's like the grad rate or whatever. But those are the only people that know. We have absolutely no idea on, on grade point averages uh, unless there's a graphic issued by the football team. Describe the culture of the team. Great. Everything I've heard, the, the culture here is great. And the, I think you can really point to the fact that they haven't had a bunch of transfers, even though I feel like there were obvious guys who could have transferred and just didn't. People genuinely love being at Baylor, and these coaches love being at Baylor. There hasn't been a ton of staff turnover. I mean, it's a very impressive culture. I, I think it's probably the best culture in the Big 12 and one of the best in the country. Yeah, and I think, you know, so long as Dave Aranda sticks around that it's going to remain that way. Um, but, you know, that's another thing. We just What we were just talking about is – you know, he could win the Big 12 10 years in a row, and all we hear is like, well, it can't cut it at Auburn, you know, like that kind of thing. It's, but, you know, if he wants to build it up and really help build the Big 12, I mean, they got some candidates to do that with with the likes of Aranda and Gundy and, and others, uh, hopefully amongst these new hires. But, um, yeah, the culture's pretty good, really good, as a matter of fact. How long, and this leads into this, how long can we keep this coaching staff together? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um Hopefully a long time. I, I know there's definitely concerns about Jeff Grimes becoming a head coach in the near future. Ron Roberts has already had opportunities and decided not to take them. I, I'm sure he's Kinda waiting. Kind like Phil Snow. Yeah, I would bet he's waiting for a Power 5 job, which I do think is coming soon, the way he's been coaching. Um, and, I, you know, Eric Mateos turned down Georgia. So I don't know that there's anywhere else that would fit him better than Baylor currently. And also I think... It's important to note kind of the upward trajectory. I think if Jeff Grimes does leave, I think there's a realistic situation where you have co-offensive coordinators with Bell and Mateos, and you have the passing game coordinator and the run game coordinator who both know the offense extremely well and both would be getting promotions in that case. So if that were to happen, I could see that situation happening as well if Grimes does, you know, leave. Uh, Golden Green, which players do you expect to represent Baylor Big 12 Media Days? Will you guys be there? Um, yeah, I don't know about doing the podcast, but we'll be there. I'll be there, too. Yeah, we'll, we'll be there. I mean, we'll out. be there doing the show, yeah, but I, I'm talking about this podcast. I don't know if we'll... We're not we'll, going to do it live in Dallas? Well, it's not on Tuesday, so... <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, but yeah, we'll be doing the Sikkim 365 radio thing there both days. Uh, as far as players representing... Um, Dylan Doyle. Yeah, Dylan Doyle seems like an, so, a no-brainer. Connor Galvin went last year. So I wonder if they'll give it to, to someone else. I don't think Shapin talks enough to be probably good for that, but with him being the starter, I could see them. It might be or even more reason to put him out How there. How many did they bring normally? Is it it's three, three or four. That's okay. two? It was just two last year? Was I don't that even remember. Of COVID or? It might have, or maybe they just realized yeah. that there's no point in having four because, like, half the time, unless it was a Texas or OU guy, um, you know, the third and fourth players were just kind of sitting there on their phones after about 10 minutes. Yeah. So maybe they realized, let's just bring two. I don't know. I, I, think, I don't even remember it being just two last year, but. Yeah, I think you got to bring one offensive guy. So maybe you bring, maybe, maybe you do bring Shapin. So Shapin, and then you got Apu. Jackson would be really interesting as well as a transfer. But I think the lock is Dylan Doyle. Yeah, Dylan Doyle's yeah. definitely a lock. Um, I, I, they, they'd have to have some reason to not bring him, yeah. uh, I feel like. Like a, a class he can't miss or something. Right. Um, outside of that, yeah. I mean, Shapin would – I'm sure you'd want to have your quarterback out there, but I just don't know how great he would be in that setting. Um, but I know that's something he's also working on, you know, part of just, you know, growing as a starting quarterback. But, yeah, I'd only put my money on – on uh, who would we just say? Uh, the obvious. Oh, Dylan Doyle. Dylan Doyle uh, and Connor Galvin. I, I think that think makes the most redo sense. Redo it. Yeah, Bring why not? Again. He's the maybe a top ten draft yeah. pick, uh, and he's definitely, arguably, I can't. I don't have my contacts in. Who's that? Ben Sims. Okay, yeah, oh, Ben yeah. Sims would ben, make sense. Ben would make. A Although lot of sense. he's. He's kind of gruff with the media, too. I don't know if he'd really enjoy, like, sitting there for an hour. But, hey, that's what you're told to do. Yeah. I'm sure they'd all listen. But, yeah, I think Ben Sims could definitely be interesting. Um, Let's get Squirrel out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's go and get everybody's uh, expectations super high right. for, for the guy who, you know, has not lasted half a season. And I don't mean to knock him, but that's just, you know, hopefully that is – that is something that changes this year, and if it does, I think that bodes really well for Baylor. Um, but yeah, let's let's ta let's tamper expectations just a little bit on Squirrel just for right now. Yeah. Just, let's just not get too excited. Uh, Golden Green, 
Uh, which players? Okay, rumors that the Spurs had DeJounte on the trade block. Why, Grayson? Why? Yeah, DeJounte Murray, and they're trying to trade at peak value. DeJounte just had an amazing season, so why not get the rebuild started and just go get draft picks? I definitely see it as a possibility if they don't get guys like DeAndre Ayton or Zach Levine to come. I mean, you're not really playing for anything, so might as well trade him while, you know, everything is working in his favor right now. I mean, it kind of makes sense. If they do go total rebuild, uh, there's no point in making DeJounte sit through that and, and also having to pay him. Uh, fair enough. Uh, I am a Mavericks fan, so um, mm. I am. I'm, so you want DeJounte Murray? Sure, yeah. <laughs> bring him on. Uh, as long as we got Luca, I feel good about yeah. got everything. Alpha Needle, Grayson, are the only unwritten. Grayson, are there any unwritten rules protocol when you're talking to recruits or commits, meaning are there questions you cannot ask? Um, I mean, I guess there. there you know, I don't necessarily ask about like how much money a guy's getting offered at a school. Yeah, like, I don't I feel, feel like, right about doing that, and and I'm sure that will become the norm at some point. But yeah. I I just feel very weird about I'll, that. I'll ask if they've brought up nil or if there have been nil conversations. But asking about specific amounts is a little weird. So that's not something I, I would I would kind of move into. Um, other stuff. Um, you know, I don't ask about any off the field stuff, um, unless it's like one recruit that I built a really good relationship with that might be different. But if it's like just a random dude and I hear something, I'm probably not going to ask about that. Um, and then also I'm not going to like talk about communication with the staff and, and stuff like that, you know, from, the outside, you know, obviously they have communication with the staff, but other people's communication with the staff and then asking them about it is not something that I would do either. Why is ATO the best fraternity at Baylor? Because <laughs> I was in it. Mm. No, I, I loved ATO during my time at, at Baylor for sure. Um, it was a great time, have great relationships still from there. And I think that's what makes any fraternity the best is the relationships that you get while you're in it and the relationships you carry forward with you through life and I, I had a great time in ato and i know it's still a great one here um and i have a lot of friends that were in that fraternity as well all right let's uh, round it out here bear in the big greenhouse uh, serious question as he goes to list on comic book characters <laughs> serious count but uh serious question if players on the current b football roster were to magically become the original members of the avengers who would be who and why captain america's dylan doyle that's just like the easiest one yeah that seems about right iron man Ooh. Iron Man, huh? Um, let's go with uh how about how about uh Squirrel? Get him in a get him in a suit, get him in an Iron Man suit. He is like the anti definition of Iron Man. Of a, of a, well, <laughs> he is the opposite of Iron Man well, of when you real, think about the definition. Well, of a real Iron Man, but not the character. Right. I'm trying to think who well, who do you have? Who'd be I don't I don't I'm trying to think of an Iron Man. I can't think of a guy. I mean, like Dylan Doyle is Captain America, just almost to like the Yeah. The almost like the cheesy factor, even yeah. like you know what I'm saying? Like the whole like almost too good to be true. Yeah. Uh like Let's put Blake Shapin at Iron Man because he's the leader, the leader now. Yeah, but like Avengers. I see, I see the, I see the personality of like Dylan Doyle and yeah. Steve Rogers. Like I oh, can yeah. see that match up, kind of the almost innocent, but just I, I don't know how to describe it. Um, but yeah, like that, that goes to a T. I think Dylan Doyle's Captain America is is definitely a fit. Uh, but yeah, Blake Shapin, I mean, the Iron Man though. Iron Man is just like it's Tony Stark. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not just. Anybody, um, and that's why I'm having. I, I don't know the personalities. I don't think well enough to know who the Tony Stark is on this team. Uh, I know that like Apu Ika probably acts like the Tony Stark in some yeah, ways. Yeah, but as he's as, coming up. Yeah, I know, but um, I don't know who would be out of this group. So who'd you say, Blake Shapin? Blake Shapin, yeah, the leader. That's still yeah. Leader. Um, it's a little too quiet to be Tony, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I I don't have a great candidate for for Iron Man. Uh, Thor. Thor's a tough one. I'm gonna go with uh, Connor Galvin though, as the the anchor, the strength, the the anchor of the offense. I'll, I'll go with Thor. Okay, um, man, this is something I really need to like actually sit down and think yeah. about. Um, sure, let's go with that. Uh, Hulk. Oh, Apu. <laughs> I was thinking Jackson Player, but uh, Apu would work as well. Apu. Um, he's definitely got the. Uh, the size and the frame that you need to be the Hulk. Okay, Hawkeye. Monterey. Why is that? Just randomly, just... Just, you know, pinpoint 
does his role. Um, really, I think there's a ceiling there. You know, he might become more influential in the next up in the next uh, you know wave of Avengers. Got his own mm-hmm. show now. He was kind of behind the scenes, and now he's starting to to become more on the scene. Okay, fair enough. Um, Black Widow. Ooh, this is a. That's a tough one. Well, I mean, there's no females on the football right. team, and Blackwood is a female character, but... Um, I guess in a, a secret assassin, maybe someone who... That's what we're going for more here. Yeah, is yeah. I guess the, the, the chameleon in the group. Lorando Johnson. Okay. Let's go with him. All right. Um, any particular reason why? I just think he can adapt well? Yeah, and I, I think he's still kind of hidden by everyone, and but he's okay. so adaptable. He can play corner. He can play safety. He can play star. Like, he's just so versatile in his role. All right, and uh, Nick Fury. Well, that'd be Dave Aranda, Dave, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, that'd be Dave Aranda. That one's the easiest one. Uh, he's definitely – I could see him rock. He's already got the bald head. I could see him rocking the, the eye patch as well, although prefer not to if you don't have to. But, yeah, I could see him doing that. Uh, pre- I could definitely see the, the cosplay of Dave Aranda as Nick Fury and Dylan Doyle in particular as Captain yeah. America. Apu or Jackson is, uh, you know, an Apu as Hulk. Uh, he'd be – yeah, he's a bit bigger. But, yeah, some of these others are a little harder to kind of pinpoint. He's uh, bigger than the Hulk? Who? Apu? No, I say he's bigger than Jackson. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think Jackson's actually more, more of a Hulk, but, uh, you know, just strength, super strength-wise, but he's just not as big as Apu yeah. is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, let's let the debate rage for, for others out there who want to get a little bit more specific and spend a little bit more time on it. But uh, in this format, don't have time to really stew for 20 minutes on Thor and who that yeah. would be. <laughs> so that's our best off-the-cuff uh, Avengers for you there. And uh, I don't know, maybe I'll get a little bit more thought uh, later on and and come back with some, some other ones. But uh, Bear in the Big Greenhouse, thank you for the question and thank you for closing us out this week on a – fun note and that'll be all Uh, we covered a lot of bases didn't get into like specific baseball hires and all of that but we can we got all summer and uh there'll be more hires but good to see baseball already striking it big uh with uh, a couple of um uh, well one very familiar name for baylor fans uh but we'll get into all that and you can hear the zach dylan interview over on sickum 365 radio and the page and and all that good stuff um but yeah uh mitch thompson getting to work uh a lot going on. Uh, a lot of fun to be had, and and now uh, more to play out. We'll see how the Elite 11 goes. Anything before we go here, Grayson? No, I, I don't think so. Just excited with all the content we've had. We've been all over this recruiting month that Baylor has just had, and now as we push forward, you know, it's about to be a dead period, uh, but there's still going to be a lot of content on, you know, what's going on with the football team and also, you know, basketball additions, and I believe basketball has their Canada trip coming up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, lots of exciting times to be sure to check out Sikkim 365 premium side and of course uh, 365 radio uh, Monday through Friday 3 to 6. All right that'll do it for us Uh, thanks to all the guys behind the scenes here uh, doing a great job helping the show uh, beat what it is and thanks to all of you out there for listening uh, whenever you can as well check out Sikkim 365 radio weekdays 3 to 6 all the content 24 7 over at Sikkim365.com and uh, definitely become a premium member or pass along premium membership to uh, somebody you know that you think would be interested as we get closer to the season I mean there's been uh, your money's worth already as far as all the recruiting news goes, but uh, going to ramp it up even more. And as I mentioned, Big 12 Media Days here in a couple of weeks. So it'll be plenty coming out of that, hearing from Dave Aranda and, and what players are in tow uh, as well, not to mention everybody else around the league that is uh, shaping up to be quite the quite the little race and quite the competition uh, in in. I think a lot of uncertainty as well coming up for the league in a good way. So until next time, thanks to, again, everybody behind the scenes. For Grayson Grunhafer, I'm Craig Smoke, and this has been the Bearcast on Sikkim365.com.